0: Welcome to the Mac PFD Spark Podcast. This podcast is meant to inspire you to take the next step in your development journey as a faculty member. We're really excited to bring you excellent and interesting content, from inspiring you to teach or supervise more effectively, to leading and managing your own team, to thinking about creative or humanistic ways to do your work, and finally, to build up your skills in scholarly practice. We welcome you to sit back, Listen and enjoy the latest episode of the Mac PFD Spark Podcast. In this episode, we hear from Dr. Harriet Macmillan talk about the 10 Ps for surviving the perils of publish or perish. They discuss topics such as how reward systems can hinder researchers from building partnerships, and how her research career has given her joy and satisfaction. We hope you enjoy! It's a great privilege to have Dr. Harriet McMillan here on the podcast today. There's so much I want to discuss with Harriet that would likely extend to many episodes, but today I'm planning to focus on an invited talk she gave for the Merit PSI Conference held in March 2023. The theme for this conference was on conducting impactful research, and the title of Dr. McMillan's talk was, wait for it, The 10 P's. Of surviving the perils of publish or perish. Now, beyond the tongue twister that was the title of her talk, see what I did there? I noticed as I looked around the room that everyone was furiously jotting down notes, and of course, I was too. I also saw many people coming up to Dr. Macmillan after the talk, encouraging her to disseminate her talk to a wider audience. So, I got right in line and on the spot tried to come up with my most compelling pitch to have Harriet come and join our podcast. Now, I imagine that Harriet will describe a bit more about herself and her research as she elaborates on the 10 P's. However, before I turn the mic over to her, I wanted to highlight aspects of her professional life that she will likely be too humble to share herself. Dr. McMillan is a psychiatrist and pediatrician in the Departments of Psychiatry and Behavioral Neurosciences and Pediatrics at McMaster University. She is a distinguished university professor. She's also an associate member in the Department of Health Research Methods, Evidence, and Impact. Harriet's research program centers around the epidemiology of violence against children and women with over three decades of contributions and impact to the field. Harriet, I don't know if you knew this, but you also have your own Wikipedia page. And this page highlights additional awards you've received. You were appointed as a member of the Order of Canada. You're a fellow of the Royal Society of Canada and the Canadian Academy of Health Sciences. So welcome, Harriet. I am happy to have you here today.
1: Thanks, Ruth, for that very kind introduction. And I'm delighted
0: to be joining you today let's set the stage for our listeners regarding the talk that you gave. The title was 10 Ps for Surviving the Perils of Publish or Perish. How did you decide on this topic for your talk?
1: First of all, Jonathan Sherbineau, who, as you know, is the Assistant Dean of Health Professions Education Research at McMaster, approached me about speaking on the topic of new concepts to measure the impact of a researcher. And I said to Jonathan that I knew there were many people much more qualified than me to speak on that topic and politely declined his invitation. But Jonathan was persistent and I do feel really strongly about the importance of investing in research that's meaningful despite the potential challenges to productivity. And so in thinking about how could I offer some thoughts on this important topic, I decided on putting together the 10 Ps to assist investigators in pursuing research
0: despite the pressure to publish or perish. So this is our lead up into the focus of your talk.
1: My thinking about the 10 P's arose from many years of discussions with students and colleagues about how one can conduct meaningful research in the face of increasing pressure to produce. And what I'll do, I will list, as you say, in fact, there are 11 P's. I will list them and am happy to elaborate further. So the... 11 P's are purpose, passion, plan, protected time, practicality, perseverance, perspective, partnership,
0: participation, people, and the 11th possibilities. We're going to have Dr. McMillan describe those P's in a little bit more detail.
1: First of all, and It was interesting at the conference you referred to, I was asked, are these in any particular order? And they're not, but I encourage listeners to think about which ones particularly resonate for them. But certainly... I would say that uh, the first one, purpose, is truly a necessity. And indeed, it may seem so obvious, but really it's about researchers being clear about the overarching purpose of their research and how the goals, aims, and objectives relate to that purpose. So I would also say that it's not only researchers themselves being clear about this, but making sure that those they interact with in a department, in their university or other institution, that they are clear about the purpose as well so that others can advocate for the research in addition. I'll just talk about the next one, which again, I consider a necessity. In fact, maybe I'll end up saying that all 11 are (laughs) critical, but (laughs) um, the second is, is certainly one as well, and that's passion. And I feel strongly that to be able to survive the various barriers that happen throughout one's research career, one really needs to feel passionate about whatever research one is pursuing. So being able to really articulate why does the research matter and why should it matter to others? And then continuing along, the third P, which is plan and I think we all know that plans for research projects are essential, but I'm basically talking about the plan for one's program of research. Saying to oneself, you know, what are you doing now? What are you doing in the next year, five years from now? So really a a plan of research and then protected time, ensuring that there is that really essential time to conduct one's research. So I've covered four so far. Are you still with me, Ruth?
0: (laughs) Yes, 100%. We have first identifying your purpose as a researcher and holding a passion for your area of research, having a plan for your program of research, and ensuring you have protected time to carry out your research.
1: Exactly. Okay. The next P is practicalities. And this involves, first of all, the researcher considering the practicalities of one's own research setup, but also the institutional setup. So, for example, is there the infrastructure, financial and otherwise, to provide the essential support in pursuing the research that's most important to the individual? And making sure that it's not simply an emphasis on number of publications and grants. Next one is partnerships, and there are many different types. So, for example, with colleagues, departments, research centers, other organizations. And I feel strongly that institutions need to reward partnerships and teams. And sometimes there can be a contradictory message whereby teams are encouraged, but then the metrics that are used disadvantage those who work in teams. So I think, I think that's an essential issue. The next P is participation. And that is doing so in a thoughtful, collegial way. First of all, I think that Again, people shouldn't be penalized for working too closely with one another and that there's real support for participating, not only with others in their work, but also in supporting the system. So for example, participating in grant reviews and making sure there's the time to do this. So you can see some of the P's overlap. Protected time and participation is an example.
0: Yes, I like how the P's are separate and distinct, and yet are also connected to each other. Like you said, without protected time, you can't carry out the practicalities of your research, engage in partnerships, and effectively participate in other facets of research that bring benefits both to you and your institution. I wonder if you can share an example of how institutional metrics or reward systems might hinder or might detract researchers from building effective partnerships and participating in collaborative teams. Institutional metrics emphasize the
1: avoidance of overlap among colleagues in their publications. So for example, there might be team members who collaborate on a project and do really important work, but are cautioned about writing too much together because of concerns about the need to highlight individual accomplishment. Uh, Another P is perspective. I think it's really essential that researchers take a step back and look at where they are, what their trajectory is, and think to themselves, what am I accomplishing? And how does that dovetail with my purpose and
0: my passion? Consistently assessing where you are or taking perspective connects to the planning you talked about earlier. I can see how you need to step back regularly to take stock of where you are and where you've been so that you can move forward with greater clarity, as well as move collectively with the people that are working with you. I really like how you highlight the importance of understanding and recognizing the unique contexts and situations that people may be experiencing. And I like how you give us an example of how our values of equity, diversity, and inclusion can be expressed when we recognize the individuals, the people involved in our research. Tell me about the last P in your list of 10. I think that this one is well connected to the other nine you've shared so far. People.
1: I mean, people are truly the cornerstone in conducting impactful research. Uh, when I talk about people, I'm talking about colleagues, students, trainees, staff, mentors, you know, working within teams and making sure that all roles are acknowledged for their contribution. You know, again, when we're thinking about how... The various P's are so essential. This one, again, is critical, and I think the emphasis needs to be on equity, diversity, and inclusion with principles of respect, transparency, collegiality, and Trust as well. You know, I think that we need to ensure that there are ongoing discussions with the people we work with about the pressures that each one faces. It's not only the barriers that are faced by the researchers, but the barriers that are faced by everyone involved. And then the 11th P, which is possibilities, because certainly there are a number of barriers out there and it can seem just so challenging at times. But Again, there are such amazing possibilities for us to collaborate, communicate, conduct research in ways that even a few years ago wasn't possible. So, you know, whether we talk about 10 plus 1 Ps or 11 Ps, I think they're all so important in surviving the perils of publish or perish.
0: This is incredible, Harriet. And I'm already having some additional thoughts this time around as I'm hearing you describe let's say, 11 P's from when I first heard this. And so for me to do a recap, that might be helpful simply because we're on a podcast here. We only have the audio and we don't have the slides that you also shared accompanying this audio recording. Therefore, our 10 P's are purpose, passion, plan, protected time, practicalities, partnerships, participation, perspective, people, and perseverance. And our 11th, possibilities. Now, I wanted to ask you about the 11th P because this is something new that just occurred to me as I'm hearing you. You said that the 11th P is possibilities. Could you describe for me what you mean by possibilities? at first i was taking that to mean explore possibilities out there so it's for us to, as as researchers to take the possibilities and explore what possibilities are available but what you're also t- describing and correct me if i'm wrong is also that there are so many possibilities out there and we have to be open we want to put ourselves in the right context to receive those possibilities is that what you're also referring to when you speak of possibilities if I I think you've
1: captured that so well. And in fact, I am talking about, just as you've described, embracing the fact that there are possibilities out there we haven't even considered. And as you know, in the presentation, I referred to a quote by Pearl S. Buck, who's both an author and a Nobel laureate. And the quote is as follows. All things are possible until they are proved impossible. And even the impossible may only be so as of now. So I think that that quote really captures what I was trying to convey in terms of
0: the possibilities P. In your own career as a researcher, does any particular situation or story come to mind where that openness to possibilities led you down new roads that you didn't previously imagine, or new lines of inquiry, or new collaboration that you didn't even consider previously?
1: In fact, uh, I can actually think of so many, it's just a case of, of choosing one. What I'm about to tell you has it overlaps in terms of both my personal life and my professional life. So I had finished my residency training and was in the midst of a research fellowship at McMaster in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Neurosciences. And I had wonderful funding from the Ontario Mental Health Foundation to do research with a number of people at McMaster. And then... And my husband, who is a vascular surgeon and was going to be coming back to a position at University Health Network, was advised that he had to go away outside of Canada for at least two years to gain additional expertise in his area of research. And so as a couple, we really had to think through what was this going to mean for our lives together and our careers. So he indicated to me that because he was the one who had to go away, that he really wanted me to choose within certain parameters where we would go and what would be best in terms of my career. And so, you know, I thought, This was incredibly generous on his part and it really was a collaboration in sorting out what we would do. Anyway, I chose Boston and that also worked for him. And you know, as I said, I had research funding from the Ontario Mental Health Foundation that wasn't transferable, but they gave me the opportunity to apply for a traveling fellowship, which then took me to Boston. And I had a position as a visiting fellow in the Department of Social Medicine at Harvard Medical School and worked clinically at Boston Children's Hospital. And at first, it just seemed like such a huge barrier that I was having to go away. But it was an amazing opportunity. And, you know, if we think about the 10 P's, I met so many people and developed partnership. And it was just one of the best experiences. And I never could have imagined that possibility. But indeed, it was terrific. This experience in Boston had a strong influence on my thinking about subsequent research and the partnerships, the professional relationships I developed during this time have really been invaluable
0: in shaping my research career. Wow, thank you so much for sharing that. And as you're talking, I'm even thinking of how this joint decision or the joint decision making process between you and your husband at that time highlights some of the other piece, like attending to the practicalities and partnerships, but in a different way in, in terms of your partnership in making this joint decision for where to go. So I thought that was pretty neat too. Very true, Ruth.
1: Indeed. I I'm beginning to think that maybe these 10 or 11 P's can extend to other areas other than the publish or perish, as you so aptly point out.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's a really big insight for me too, as you're saying that, because while we're focusing on our research careers and talking about the 11 Ps, I'm also realizing in this conversation, how relevant these Ps are for even our personal, personal development, our personal growth, and looking at these 11 P's in the context of what are the factors or variables that I have the most control over versus what are those variables that I have to collaborate or I would be collaborating with others to determine? What are some of the system level variables or broader contextual variables that others may have decision making authority about that I need to then navigate? And so, whether we're speaking about our research work, our professional lives, or even as you're mentioning here, our personal lives. What do you think about this idea of situating these 11 Ps within a framework of individual community or relational structures, broader system structures to help us navigate each of these Ps more effectively?
1: I really like that idea, Ruth. And, you know, I must say that, you know, in thinking about the the Ps together, you know, I think that certainly many, if not all of them apply at the individual level, but many apply at the relationship level. You know, as I gave the example earlier, it's not just about the researcher being clear about the purpose of the research, but also ensuring that others are clear. And that's, involves relationship. And, you know, I think that at the systems level, that's where partnership, participation, people really, I think, are critical, but also systems level, community level elements have a lot to do with what what's possible, you know, the possibilities P. And with any of the P's, I think mentorship becomes so important. You know, as you can tell, I'm I'm thinking about individual relationship systems. and and I think the integration of this, not only of how the p's are integrated, but how they're really integrated across the different levels you know, that you're referring to.
0: I even think about um, your point around protected time and how in advocating for ourselves to have protected time for our research, or if we want to extend this out into other professional domains or in our personal domain, identifying that time that we protect for ourselves and our own to achieve our own personal or professional goals, that's all negotiated within a context where others may have the ability to to give us some of that time or to carve out some of that time. Or it's within a context where people can grant us more time, for example, in our academic lives. And and so those are the the systems level or the relational levels that we also need to navigate as we're protecting our time for our research or our personal goals.
1: Absolutely, Ruth. And I think what you're really describing. Describing is the importance of culture. What is the nature of the institutional culture or the professional culture in which one is situated? I think, again, that becomes so important to consider. So as you say, one needs to advocate for protected time for themselves. They need to have mentors who understand the importance of protected time. But what is the perspective of the institution on protected time? That is another key question.
0: Mm-hmm. Harriet, thank you so much for revisiting the eleven ps with us here. And it brings me back to the the talk that you gave in March. and, how it was just so helpful to frame our thinking around these 11 Ps. So, thank you for sharing that with us, Harriet. My last question is related to something that you mentioned to me on um, the day that you gave this talk. You mentioned that you were planning to retire soon. So, I'd love to hear your thoughts when you think back on your career and you think about the future possibilities that await. What has given you joy? and satisfaction in your research career. In thinking about this, there are so many aspects that have given me
1: incredible joy. And I am so grateful for those many opportunities. I think the privilege of being able to be a clinician and researcher and to work with such amazing, talented people in teams to address questions about which I feel so passionately thats what has given me great joy from the beginning and even now and you may wonder why am I retiring? So I have just so loved my time with people and addressing what I think are important research questions. And and yet, I also want to make sure that I have time for other pursuits. And so that's what's leading me to move toward retirement, hoping that I will still continue to have some involvement, albeit less so, in
0: academia. Well, I definitely know what a tremendous impact you've made here at McMaster and internationally with the research that you do, as well as with the direct impact that you've had in the lives of your patients, clients, the communities with which you work. And also just knowing the tremendous impact that you've had on our colleagues and the colleagues who are learning from you, working with you on various research teams. That is where, Harriet, your reputation had preceded you even before we met and I had known and heard so much about your wonderful mentorship. I can just imagine that those that you have mentored, and those that you have brought along the way and worked together with and then have pushed forward in their own careers have also internalized and incorporated these 11 P's that you've shared with us today. So I really thank you for that.
1: Ruth, I am so deeply moved by your comments. Thank you so very much. It's very humbling. And it's just been such a pleasure and privilege to work with so many wonderful people over many years and i'm excited to see what happens next for so many of the students trainees colleagues staff members that i've uh, enjoyed working with so and
0: thank you again for your very kind comments i have not even been able to express all the tremendous impact that you've made not only with our community here in Ontario but also across the world. So thank you for joining us today.
1: And Ruth, it really is so very kind of you. I think I just want to say one other thing <clears throat> in relation to what you were just saying which is that indeed people and partnerships have been such a huge part of my life and uh, I have always worked in teams and and feel again very grateful for the chance to do so. Yes, thank you.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Mac PFD Spark podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Office for Continuing Professional Development and the Program for Faculty Development at McMaster University's Faculty of Health Sciences. For more information on faculty development, be sure to check out our website at macpfd.ca. That's MACPFD.ca. Here you can find other episodes as well as resources for your personal and professional development. A quick shout out to our sound engineer, Ishan mania Panda, who has been an amazing asset to our team. Another shout out to Scott Holmes, who composed and supplied us with the music you've been listening to. That brings us to the end of this episode. We hope you've enjoyed it and be sure to tune in for our future episodes.